It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome on in to No Shot Clock. We are back after a really interesting week with the kind of the end of Martin Luther King into some fun conference games and then the big shootout at Bennett. Uh, how did it all busy day for you, Joe? How did it all go for you on Saturday? Well, the whole that whole week, though, Mike, I mean, that was a fun, wild kind of an old school high school basketball week with a lot of scoreboard watching for me because I saw these scores, whether it be near upsets or big showdown games or and then you let into obviously the 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 event. But, yeah, I, I it, it you, you get into these things, Mike, with these, you know, higher profile events and you you. It's partly luck. It's keep your fingers crossed. And it really turned out nice uh, with the highly ranked teams. And it had a little bit of a, I don't know, a little bit, I think the smaller gym as opposed to the big college arena and and the vibe and the atmosphere, which we'll talk a little bit up probably throughout here. But, I, you know, I the thing that stuck out too was just the, I'm just jumping right into it, but the star players really, for the most part, almost all of them really shined. And that's, that's part of the intrigue and the, and the interest in some of these higher profile events is people come out to see really good teams, highly ranked teams. Yes. But, you know, along with that come, you know, these, the future division one players that, that are exciting to watch and see in our state at a young age in high school. And man, they, they really did. I mean, whether it be Jeremy fears or Cameron Christie or, you know, even Ahmad Henderson uh, stepping up with a big game and the two Moline kids that are going to Iowa, Owen Freeman and Brock Harding shine. So it was a overall, I think anybody, the, the, the feedback w- was terrific and it, it was just a great day of high school basketball. Yeah, it worked out kind of well for our purposes, because I think other than Simeon and Moline, every team had like a bad performance or a trap game loss or something right coming into it and then they all played really well on yes. Saturday. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. That that was fine with me actually instead of somebody dropping a dud like last year we kind of had some teams drop duds. I, I will yeah. say, you know, the one star who didn't play well was Day Day Ames. And in his defense, Friday he gave it all Friday night. Mm-hmm. He was literally matched up against the number 1 player in the country. And he was awesome against him. And he went at him. He attacked DJ Wagner offensively and defensively. So if any player on the court on Saturday kind of deserved a mulligan, it would be the guy who just went head to head with the number one guy a few hours before. Mm-hmm. So I would lay, I wouldn't be too disappointed in data Ames If you're a fan is what I'm saying. You didn't see his best. And it's because he left it all out on the court. You know, that game was a close game after three quarters against Camden. They weren't able to keep it going, but they played really well, I thought, on Friday night. And Day Day Ames, he, he was awesome against Wagner. So uh, mulligan for him, I think. Yeah, I just that uh, you mentioned some of those lemons maybe or some of those scores that were it, it was just crazy to see some of them uh, over the course of the week. Some really good teams sneaking by uh or and even teams that weren't in the when sides collide, you know, had some wacky scores, whether it be Loyola beating Brother Rice on Friday night and then losing to Taft on Saturday. Uh, you know, those types of things happen. But 
I talked yeah. to Ahmad Henderson after the game, and I ask kids this a lot, and I always get the same answer. And Rolly Meadows was it was their problem because when teams play Loyola, the next game it's like the world opens up for them. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so much and I, I yeah. Talk, talking to Connie Stamus before the Rolly Meadows game, and my last thing, you know, he was one of the sidelines. I stopped by, said hello, and I just. I think this one's going to be a lot different than last night as far as, you know, the <laughs> yeah. stylistic and, 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 you know, going back to those games, I know two, two things. One it means nothing. There are a lot of dunks uh, on Saturday, which always I, I, is not like a must or a needed thing, but I feel like a lot of times I, I don't see it anymore. And there were a lot of dunks. Uh, you know, in these games. And then the, 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 the more important part, I really felt, and I don't know the reason, but by and large, I, I thought all four games were really clean and free-flowing with points scored, you know, and, and I love that. You know, I, that's the part that kind of stuck out to me as well as the stars kind of stepping up and shining on a big stage was, you know what, there's some good offensive flow. There wasn't, you know, the shot selections weren't atrocious. It was just all clean. And I, I think that lend itself to, you know, the, the enjoyment by the fans to be able to see that, that that basketball being played. Yeah, a couple of them wound up being free throw contests at the end, but not for horribly long. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that was good. But yeah, it, it, was a, it was a fun day of basketball. And I really enjoyed Friday night getting to see Camden come in there. That was a lot of fun. DJ Wagner was... Uh, I'm glad I got to see him in like a little high school gym. That was a lot of fun. And Thursday night, um, I had a good time checking out Brooks's new facility, which is really neat. It's even got a bit of parking more than I expected. Parking isn't a huge problem down there really, but it did have its own parking lot. It's a beautiful facility. They had a training room like Stevenson <laughs> off the, uh, off the gym, which was pretty cool. I'd keep an eye on Brooke or not Brooks. I keep calling Brooke Phillips. Um, sorry. It's Phillips. Um, people are going to want to come play in that facility and, uh, the coaching staff's got a lot of energy and they had a nice win over perspectives leadership. Um, one to keep an eye on. Uh, I was looking at my, my stock portfolio has not been real good since the stock report, Mike. I've, yeah. I have, I have, I've, I've, I've lost some, some dough. Now, the high price stock I bought, which was Bennett, obviously is. Yeah. Well, is we the, got a hold. You got to the end of the year, Joe. Yeah. But goodness, <laughs> uh, Stevenson has dropped the one to Libertyville and then lost a prospect. And um, so I've, I've I've taken a couple of hits on my on my. My stock. brother Rice stock wasn't looking great, but now it's sky. Now it's doing well. I, I should probably maybe sell right now <laughs> with the uh, after the winning it's really Meadows, but um. Yeah, I, I, one other team, I don't know why I wanted to mention this, but I kind of did because they've been sneaking in on me before we get the questions. Keep an eye on De La Salle. I feel like they haven't gotten any attention lately. And they did lose to St. Rita last week. Um, it was a, kind of a double-digit game. But they have some decent sneaky win. They just beat St. Lawrence, who was on a high. And I, I feel like now that they're full strength and they came back from a lot of out-of-town games, that team ha- has something to watch they're just somebody we haven't mentioned at all. And they got a lot of high profile games coming up. I think they still play Rice, Loyola, Kenwood, Marion Catholic over like the next couple of weeks. So they're going to be around a lot. But um, let's get into these questions. Um, first up is Caleb. Which central suburban league team is best built for a long postseason run? 
and which Central Suburban League team could pull some upsets in the postseason. Well, they're all grouped together in the same sectional. So I'm afraid some of them are going to be just knocking each other out. Uh, I think all four of those main ones, Evanston, Glenbrook South, yeah. and Trier and Glenbrook North, all together. I, I'm going to side with this Glenbrook North team because of the point guard play. Uh, Josh Freeman is, to me, the dynamic force to go into a postseason game with. Um I, you know, I picked New Trier to beat Glenbrook North this past week. And I thought it was a flip of the coin. Um, but I, I of all those teams, I, I think Glenbrook North and New Trier remain the two teams. I, I like New Trier's physicality and their defense. I think that's going to translate in March or state tournament time. Um, you know, I, I guess the one that pulled the upset would be the one that would be seated this the lowest. And I think right now it's probably going to be Evanston with that, the lowest seed of those four. Uh, so those would be the, that would be the one team, I guess that would be in position to pull an upset. I, you know, I'm, I'm not as bullish on this Evanston team as I am, have been on a lot of other Evanston teams. So we'll see when what transpires in a absolutely rugged sectional, when you add the rolling medals to that group as well. Yeah, see, this is one we disagree on heavily. I think Glenbrook South is easily the best of that bunch. Um, I think they still got a good shot at the number one seed. And I just, I think they have more perimeter and inside play than the rest of them do. And I I like Glenbrook North. I just feel like there's a, the fall off is too deep after the top two or three guys. I kind of seen that. Yeah, they don't have the, de- I mean, they do not have a, as much depth and balance as some of the other teams. Um, yeah, so I, I would go I, with Glenbrook South as the, deep one and i'm watching isles north i think for the upset i have not seen them this year they got some some name players and they've played some close games you know they're over in the north um but i think maybe they're worth keeping an eye on niles north if they can pull off an upset yeah first for second round um 18 and four we haven't even mentioned them all year have we i don't recall no i I mean glumbrick south's on a run since getting beat by rolling meadows they haven't lost um now they you know and they 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 beat glenbrook north pretty pretty handily actually uh when they met yeah i was at that right right after the the holidays yeah that kind of sticks in your mind (laughs) when you see that it wasn't much of a game really um they took it to him but anyway a lot to lot to play for there for all those teams you know that's still really up in the air and a lot of big games still to come well and that's gonna be matchups in the sectional how that pans out those seeds are gonna be huge uh and, and you know even Loyola is is in there uh so there, there's going to be a really really good team that's going to be out in the regionals uh and I mean you're talking six teams right there that are that have been or are have been ranked all year at some point wouldn't be surprised to see Evanston turn it on late and uh, Deerfield over in the north also they're up to 15 and 5 now they're a team I saw over the holidays um they're one of those, everything they do this season is going to really pay off for next year because they got had a lot of young guys. They're going to have a lot back next year. We'll be talking about them more next season. Um, all right, George, up next. George, good friend of the podcast. He uh, says, do you have any information about the realignment slash dissolution of the Metro Suburban Conference? I know the nine religiously affiliated schools are leaving. Are they forming a new conference? Are they joining an existing one? And then what about the remaining four? Uh, Joe did some made some calls on this and he came up with the answer that I thought we had. 
It was a wait and see. It was yeah. nothing's <laughs> finalized. We're still working on it by two different people. Uh, that that's just that it's still in the works of figuring it all out. Well, so it'll all be football. We're still being driven by football. So until the IHSA makes some changes, football rules the world, and the basketball teams will just pick up the pieces and try to deal with it. Um, we'll play who they're told to play. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, another George had a second question here. Uh, one I liked. Uh, he says, looking to the future, I'm interested in Joe's rankings of the top players in the class of 2024. In particular, Stefan Sissek, the 6'11 center from RB. How does he rank among all big men in Illinois? One I saw had him 19th in the class at the start of the season. He's been putting up increasingly impressive numbers. Yeah, when it comes to big men, it is it is the hardest, most difficult thing to evaluate and project when they aren't already polished and established and advanced. And, you know, he falls in that bill. He, he has a ways to go, but big men just come along a lot more slowly uh and it's just it's just going to take time but yeah i mean he's a top 20ish you know top 20 prospect in the class for sure top 15 probably and and uh you know the class is it's interesting cuz there's four players that already committed the top four my top four uh gone are, are already committed yeah. actually i've got Cole Serta higher so my the Cole Serta, the shooter from Bloomington Central Catholic, I have is the fourth ranked player. So, yeah, I mean, James Brown and Marez Johnson and Noyes Indochitis are the one, two, and three. They're all committed. Uh, and then that next group is Cole Serta from Bloomington Central Catholic. Cooper Koch is already committed to Iowa. And then you got, I've got Calvin Robbins and Chris Riddle and uh, up pretty high. And, you know, Jaheim Weber down at normal, big six, nine, big man. So there's, it's a group that's still coming along. It's a group that's had some injuries, you know, whether it be Carlos Harris or uh, Jalen McElroy or Peyton Kamen. And those guys have, have, have missed some time or a lot of time in some cases. Uh, and then you've got some developing guy. I mean, Angelo Ciravino's kind of an overlooked underrated guy who's coming along. And, you know, uh, Jason Jackson has made a nice big jump here as a junior, the Yorkville 6'9", 6'10", junior. So it, it's a class that's still coming along. Uh, Justice McNair, uh, Joliet West just made a, a pretty big statement with a big weekend over the over the last two games at uh, Winsides Clyde and then beating York Fleet 17 points in each game. Athletic guy. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the class. It's it's not where I had hoped it would be at this point, but uh, it, it's you know still developing a big spring and summer ahead. Boy, I got my first look at Jason Jaxis um, over the week, the Yorkville six nine six ten player, and he was coming. He's coming back from an injury, so he only played I think seven or eight minutes tops. And you'd think seven or eight minutes watching a guy who's just a developing prospect might have left me a little cold. It did not. I really liked him. He's uh, he's like a basketball player. <laughs> like he's got like the IQ and stuff, and is into it. He's not just like a big guy. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some more from him, and I'm very intrigued to see kind of how he winds up i didn't it's hard for, to judge the athleticism when the guy's got a bad ankle um but it didn't look certainly didn't look bad um in any way so yeah i thought he was really interesting uh, to go along with sissick who i've really liked what i've seen from him as well mm. he seems pretty dependable in the post well, and he's huge i mean he's just yeah. massive yeah. <laughs> and big he's got frame wide yeah exactly he's yeah. six ten and a half easily yeah. uh so yeah it's um it just takes time to 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 develop these bigs and you can't give up on them. You got to let them, you know, play through some things. And, and so, yeah, and that there's some size in the class, you know, with him and like yeah, I said, it's Jaheim nice. Weather yeah, and exactly. Jaxus and 
Um, Cooper Koch is 6'8", 6'9", and Merez Johnson and James Brown, 6'8", 6'9". And uh, so it's, it's a, you know, Jaden Smith that uh, Kenwood, Kenwood, 6'10", kids. So there's a lot of size, which means development, you know, and you got to kind of be patient and wait it out. And wait until Julia West, Drew Martin puts up his big summer and uh, elevates in your rankings, Joe. All right. Uh, all right okay. It was weird. He didn't play until the fourth quarter. <laughs> that, uh, I don't know what was up with that. Uh, that was very strange. He came in and did all right. But anyway, uh, next up is Kevin. He said, I had a blast at Wensides Collide. Crowds, energy, talent, and gym were fantastic. Hinsdale Central versus Lions was also everything you'd want in a big high school rivalry game in gym. And I always loved going to the Battle of Vincennes for the high energy environment and talent. That's going to be on the back burner for the foreseeable future. My question is, what are some of the other big or maybe underrated rivalry games that factor equal amounts on gym, energy, talent on the floor, and both schools' crowds showing up? Um, Kevin actually sent me a nice email kind of describing how good Hinsdale Central Lions was. I, I heard from a couple of people there. It's always pretty packed. It's as much a social event, I think, as it is a basketball event. So a lot of the community comes out just to see their buddies. Yeah, I mean, if you want a guaranteed crowd, I mean, this is a topic that's come up in conversation, I think, in this podcast before. There's a several that stand out that no matter what, I think this year is proof of that in some cases where teams are, you know, a little down or not having the seasons and yet. You know, just recently, St. Pat's Notre Dame, now, another team are, are are playing at a really high level right now, and they pretty much filled the place up. It was saw some video of it, pretty electric. East Roar, West Roar, both struggling. Uh, pretty much, they filled the gym up. Uh, Maris brother Rice was recent. A lot of these, all these come in the last. And, two and those are, as Kevin asked, were good gyms. You know, the Brother Rice gym, the Notre Dame, yeah. the Pats gym, Evanston Nutrier obviously hit, was back in um, a high school. Wait, no, it wasn't. It was at Northwestern. It was yeah. the Jesuit Cup was back in the high school. Yeah, Loyola, that's what I'm thinking of. Loyola and Ignatius. Um, early in the year, I always enjoy Holman Flossmore and Marion at Marion Catholic. I mean, that's not like a classically great gym, but it's a gym I really like, and the kids come out from both schools for that one. Uh, Glenbrook North, Glenbrook South at the Titan Dome. We already referenced it, but that was great. One of the, that was one of the better environments I've seen this season. It was packed. Um, both schools were there, had, had students. That was a lot of fun, and I really liked the Titan Dome. So yeah, but you know, underrated one, Taft Lane. Um, doesn't matter kind of what their records are. If you see it at Taft, it's almost kind of a nightmare because it can barely get in they have a very small gym to have like very small for such a huge school but at lane uh, there's a lot more space um that's a fun one all right next up matt he says i've been going to one sides collide every year since 2016 and the 2023 edition is the best one i've been to would you guys say the same thing are there any other years that come close or better in your opinion uh well i mean yeah th this is the best no there's no question i wrote about that uh today and you know i when you have four games that come out like that it's that's and that environment that crowd yes i mean i thought last year's was fantastic with the crowd the glenbrook south simeon game was terrific glenbard west young um you know prior to that there's been some great games but you the combination of great games and crowd it takes me back to Jalen Brunson, Tyler Eulis showdown. What was that 14, 2014? I think that's probably the best one. Uh, gym was full up until this year. I've got a complaint, Joe. Uh, 
should I do you have a formal system for when sides collides complaints or should I just it's it's funny because it's the same complaint I had last year and it was not addressed um I don't know what anybody can we, do about it gotta send a reminder I guess yeah the bathroom situation is brutal hmm. um fans waiting in line forever my photographer couldn't even go because he didn't have time to wait um in it I actually they've allowed the Venice people are very nice have allowed me to go in the referee bathroom <laughs> which I have to go back in. Uh, and one of the officials was showering uh, while I was uh, <laughs> at the urinal, which was a, <laughs> a new experience. But yeah, some, they need to find an open up another bathroom down the hall. They, something needs to be done. I guess you did you not see the bathroom line? It's always just brutal. Yeah, um, it wasn't. I didn't go to the bathroom the whole night. Yeah, it, it's bad. That would be the one thing that needs to be uh, otherwise. See, people are always going to have complaints, Joe. It doesn't matter how good your event is. We'll put a couple porta potties in the corner. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, right, next up, uh, I thought this was a, kind of a. At first, I read the question. I was like, eh, but then I was thinking about it, and it's kind of. I think it's worth addressing. Uh, Thomas uh, says, "Is is player of the year for most valuable or most dominant?" Ahmad Henderson deserves it thus far. Period. Thomas is. I know him. He's a. Tom's a big. He's a brother rights guy. Clearly, um, you don't say. Yeah, <laughs> two, two things I'd like to start out with this one. Um, player of the year is the best player, but I think most valuable in a way um, kind of factors in clearly. Um, and as far as Ahmad Henderson's case, I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I think there's three guys that I see take over at the end of the game every game that I go to of their teams and he's one of the three. So and, yeah, and to he, get his team a win. So he's, he's, he has always had that ability, whether it be the brother rice or even on the AAU circuit where, and, and I continue to write about it uh, this year is he's just, I wrote that about that in, in the preview of when sides collide is he has a knack for coming up big when it matters most. And, um, you know, he's obviously clearly one of the better best players in the state and he's fueled a team that's a top 10 team uh and my, you know a player i just i think player of the year is just people forget sometimes what it really entails i mean there's a lot of things that go into it team success matters big wins matter uh and you know i don't know if the word the domination putting up huge numbers to a degree i mean i you've got to have numbers so and and how you're impacting that team's winning. So there's a lot that goes into it that I think people sometimes get confused because, um, I mean, best player is, I mean, the the guys we're generally talking about for player of the year, by and large, ninety percent of the time are usually players who are ranked in the top five in the class. But that's just because they are really, they're really freaking good. And they play for really good teams and they do a lot of winning and they're inevitably going to be in that conversation. And I mean, I Henderson, if you wanted to make be the, be his lawyer, I mean, he definitely, I mean, I would say he likely has the weakest supporting cast around him of the kind of top tier of teams. So he is really, as far as Tom's most valuable player kind of point, he's not, I don't think he's wrong necessarily. Um, you take well, Henderson off that team, and oh boy, yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, what what player is the most important yeah. to their team of all the good teams? And without, in the top of my head, I mean, I 
he might be right number one. Yeah. So not bad, Tom. Not bad at all. Because <laughs> uh, I hadn't really thought about it that way before. Uh, next up, Blams. Uh, he says, love the podcast. Why is Lion 16 and Proviso 14 in the rankings? Just curious. Not arguing it because I'm a Proviso fan. Uh, we'll start with that question because actually Blams is not. I was asked that a few times because um, the rankings just came out and Lions had just beaten um, Proviso, which I can understand that frustration. Um, kind of two reasons, I guess. Um Yes, Lions just beat Proviso by four or five, but Proviso didn't have Bryce Coleman, who has essentially been their best player all season. So if anything, that was almost a feather in Proviso's cap. They actually, I didn't do my due diligence, but they actually may have been without more players because they had, you know, a lot of players got suspended from Proviso and Curry for two to three games. So it's likely that it was more than just Bryce Coleman that was out for that four to five point loss. But their big reason, even if they hadn't played this week, I would have kept it this way. Proviso has shown the ability to play with the area's best teams. They are still one of Bennett's closest losses. They beat St. Rita in that consolation game that everybody wanted to have them ranked super high a few weeks ago. And um, what's the recent one? Um, oh, they were beating Curie. Uh, this was full strength Curie before all the, before the fight broke out. So that right there, that's some pretty solid evidence that Proviso East. And I think for a lot of people, they might not pass the initial look test, but the results have been there. And Lions doesn't have that. They just don't have the evidence to show me that they can play with the top tier teams. So that's why I've got Proviso slightly higher right now. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, to your point of wins matter, though, Proviso really doesn't have any. Um, If they would have I guess solidified that win. I mean, they the could course of the year. I mean, they they might have Curie and Saint Rita. Well, I'm just using your rules. I mean, I don't even know. Do they get the Curie Cons- consolation? No. Oh, yeah, but Curie is not. Is the I don't even. This is a good question, actually. Somebody email me if you know. I don't believe so. Did anybody get the win, or was it just canceled? <laughs> what? I don't. They. You know. Yeah, nobody told me. Um, I don't know what Jack decided with his standings because I went with that. But Curie's whole thing is a mess. They picked up like five losses this week. It's yeah, like, I mean, I, it's a whole out of town thing too, though, where you don't. I mean, those teams they played no clue. And I, well, I don't know who they had because Curie was missing a ton of guys. Right, but I, I mean, but I don't even know what kind of caliber teams they were playing. You well, know what I mean? Chaminade was one. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know about the others. Uh, so, yeah, who knows what's going on there. But um, next, the second question was for Joe. Um, why can't you televise when sides collide like they do for Pontiac, either by game or the whole day? Um, he said it's hard for some people to go. That's more than just me. Um, yeah. Um, what do you think, like Joe? The, 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 the history of when sides collide, actually, the I would say half of them if not more have actually been televised by the U or I don't even know all the TV people. Anyway, um, I, 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 I'm so not into the stream that I didn't even give any thought to it, to be honest with you in hindsight. And and you don't know the, I mean, people, you don't understand that. You don't know for sure what the demand is going to be. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't know what the demand was going to be in hindsight. I, I guess he, he, I think in the question it was asked about Pontiac, 
Yeah. Because Pontiac did it this year <clears> and, and charged, I don't know, but they charged like $10 or $5 a session or something. So basically, in hindsight, if I, I, I didn't even consider or think about it. It didn't even enter my head. Um, and Bennett didn't bring it up either. So just, I guess that's, uh, whether it's a lame answer, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it did not even really enter my head. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I know. Um, yeah. I, I think you had like CN 100 was there one year, wasn't it? The, uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's been one or the other and multiple, I mean, the last two years has not been, but prior to that, I would say at least half of them were, were at some form of TV or at least two of the games. Um, all right. Next is uh, John said some nice things and then says, I'm wondering what you guys think of the East suburban Catholic and Marian Catholic. I'm a lifelong lions fan, but know the East suburban Catholic pretty well. I've looked through Marian Catholic previous years and it seems like come February and March, they always play great basketball and peak at the right time. Do you think Marian Catholic can knock off number two Bennett at Marion and beat number 24 Marist at home? I like Marist a lot. I, I just for for I think they're one of the really pleasant surprises of the year, particularly because they have so much youth contributing and playing major minutes. They're a team I really like for next year, but they're they've surpassed my expectations uh, this season already with an eighteen and five record. You know, I think Bennett's on the verge of just running away and putting that East Suburban Catholic Conference to bed. They've already got a two game lead. You know, Mary Catholic has stumbled here. You know, with four losses. And I had, I had really liked this team, you know, early in the season and coming into the season. I mean, I guess the question was, can they turn it on late? Uh, I, you know, they've they've piled up some wins here, but not really against anybody of significance. Uh, they don't have a, I don't know when their last significant win was. You know, they lost to Bennett the first time. They've lost to. I know they lost to Hinsdale Central at the holiday tournament time. Evanston so, and early dis- that when I was at. I yeah, I mean they team they, Rose. They, yeah. I know at Thanksgiving they lost to Hillcrest. So yeah. they're they're just a team. I, I I'm gonna need some validation to say before I even say, hey, they can turn it on and be a big threat. Um, I, they'll be jacked up for that game when Bennett comes in, and obviously Bennett. But if Bennett's playing how Bennett can and Marion's at their, they're both playing at their ceiling. Bennett's winning the game. That's just Bennett is too good right now as shown over the weekend and what they've done this year. Yeah. It was interesting. I talked to Mike Taylor after the, that was, I, and I have not seen Marion since the 11th of December, the team Rose thing. And this was after a win, a nice win, their biggest win of the year against Evanston. And I think they won by double digits. Um, and Mike's one of those guys. He's usually pretty straightforward. I don't get a lot of BS, but his team. And he's like, it's going to be a struggle for a while. He said, we had to make this game as ugly as possible to win. When he, it was, it was, yes, it, it, yeah. it was a really ugly game. Like it was unwatchable. It was, it was too strong, but I, it was a bad basketball game. Yeah. And that was his goal. And he had, he achieved his goal and he won. So he had no like, rose-colored glasses on about this team he clearly knew it was at least early they're gonna have to get through things and i do think it's interesting when you look at the scores of the bennett and maris games to me those games the first time were much closer than i would have expected they lost to nine by nine to bennett and they only lost to maris by six so 
if that was the results when they were still a pretty hardcore work in progress, you know, maybe there is a chance for something there. You know, I haven't seen them in too long to really know. But yeah, I think Mike Taylor had more realistic expectations for Mary and Catholic this season than either Joe or I did. Well, um, and and, uh, <laughs> and these, you know, the Bennett scores we refer to, Provisoes, Mary and Catholic. Of all the top teams, Mike, that I've seen the most improvement from, Bennett's right there as one of the most improved best teams out there. Uh, they are much better than they were. And they haven't had a full complement of players. Their whole roster, their top six, seven players, I, I don't think since December. Um, so it, it it just bodes well for Bennett's, you know, going forward. Yeah, and you were right about the Marist thing. And I was just at the, the Brother Rice Marist game and, you know, one thing goes another way and they win that game, you know, and beat brother rice. Who's looking like they're right there among our elite teams. And they kind of, they're doing it with a different guy every night. And they have a lot of like yeah, senior yes. leader types, you know, that, um, and some, some young kids that are, when they come in, they give them a real lift and yeah, it's an odd team. <laughs> I can't really remember one quite like it. There's not that clear lead guy, you know, it's just, it, it's a very interesting team, uh, for sure. Yep. Um, all right, that was the end of the questions. Let's take a brief look here at the uh, little bit at the week ahead, which is an odd one. I guess, you know, Joe, we haven't dithered about about St. Rita in a while. And, well, uh, they got a huge one Tuesday <laughs> yeah, night. If huge. you're listening to the and it's on TV, so everybody will see it. They'll be on the U, 26.1 or whatever, St. Rita at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is a team that had its kind of – a rough road bump I saw on that Sunday against Bloom. Um, it was their first loss in quite a while. What do you think in this one? Do you think St. And what would, I guess, what would it mean if St. Rita wins this? Do I, do I shove them back up at the rankings? Are they back? I, I'm picking St. Rita. Okay. Ooh. I, uh, I, I, I think they go in and get it. I think it's going to be a grinded out game, but yeah, I think St. Rita gets a big win on the road at Mount Carmel. Nice. Yeah, I've not. Gosh, I haven't winded my last see St. Rita. It's been a while. For, I saw them a ton at the beginning of the season, and then I have not lately. So I don't really have much of a feel for that one. Um, other. Well, I, I, I saying, yeah. Another. I don't know where we're going next, going day by day, but it, yeah. really an underrated one that we haven't talked to teams about much. I'm actually writing about it, but Geneva and Wheaton South is a. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I'll be there on Friday. Yeah. I mean, that's a. That's a very, and I'm, I'm writing about Geneva in my column coming up here this week, but uh, they have quietly, Mike. I mean, have you looked? They haven't lost since Joe, December. I, every, yes, every Sunday I sit there and I d try to rank Geneva and Wheaton Warrenville South. I try to get both of them in. Yeah, they're, they just don't have the win. So this is it. Whoever wins, this is in. Their <laughs> last loss was to Wheaton South back Yes, in early December, uh, a thrilling forty to thirty-three game or something. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the one that jumped out at me as one just because we haven't talked much about either one of them. Yeah, definitely. And Wheaton South's um loss. Well, they lost to SH Sacred Heart Griffin, which is no you know shame. And I almost and this is the issue. I keep wanting to put Wheaton South in, but. I don't know. They lost to Frem, but this is way back in November. And at this point I've wiped out anybody's losses in November. You know, I don't care what happened the first week of, you know, the season at this point. So hopefully things will work out and the winner of that game will be able to get their moment in the sun because they deserve it. 
um, for sure. There is, it's kind of a thin week. Uh, Robert Smith is likely to get his 500th win uh, Tuesday night. They play Brooks. Sorry, Brooks, mm-hmm. but um, could be tough. Uh, Hyde Park, uh, we should probably mention them briefly. They got Perspectives leadership. They had the big win against Kenwood, pulled it off. They're a team that I'd kept at the bottom for a while just because they did not have that win. You know, they didn't get that signature win that I really needed because, boy, the record is sterling. Um, it's interesting. I mean, have we kind of, have we undersold Hyde Park? Was that just a rivalry win? What do you think? No, I, I, I'm thinking, speaking of my column, Hyde Park's also included in that one. So nice. I, right. I, I, I just, I just, I, mine is more long-term that I'm talking about Hyde Park and what they're capable of going forward with Jarrell Oliver as a coach. And they're doing it the right way, I think, in building that thing. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I I just think it's a team that that is one to watch for sure. Come state tournament time, yeah. Uh, you know that, that that you know when there's a loss that kind of just sticks with you. Yeah, that, that their loss to perspectives leadership at Christmas just kind of because yes. I, I I thought Hyde Park would you know would 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 play Hillcrest and the rematch yeah. is Tuesday night. Hyde Park perspectives. perspectives. Yeah, yeah, so they can uh, wipe that. I think, you know, we knew the guards were capable and experienced, but Jarrell Baldwin's kind of coming along faster than I anticipated and it looks like a bit of a star, um, which is making me think maybe, yeah, they are a bit underrated. Uh, Simeon Curie, I believe, is still scheduled for Thursday, which has a weird feel at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what Curie is going to be doing. Um, Brother Rice, St. Ignatius is Friday, kind of the last one we got time here for. St. Ignatius, oh boy. Um, you know, they did this kind of last year, remember? They had that valley and then wound up in Champagne. Do we think mm-hmm. they're gonna get back? Well, I, I bought my stock, so yeah, yeah. I, I really... <laughs> you got money. Yeah, Joe's got money in the game. <laughs> you need Ziggy back here. We'll, we'll see how they go. But you got the war on the shore at Evanston, too. You know, That's new right. trier, yeah. new Paul, Iola, Bolingbrook, Evanston, Notre Dame. That'll be fun. A lot of good, kind of smaller shootouts should be a good weekend. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week.